Hello and welcome to Screen Cleaning here on BYU Radio, the show that is all about shining a spotlight on all that is good and entertainment. I'm Jeff Simpson. And I'm Cole Wissinger. And this is a very special episode of Screen Cleaning. Why is that, Cole? It's special because it's our 125th episode. Hooray, hooray. My wife would love that. She's an accountant. She would love that round 125. Nice factors of five. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. But, uh, you know, keep in mind, we've actually been doing this show for a lot longer. Before it was its own entity, it was the third hour of the Matt Townsend Show, which is not a show anymore. And uh, before that, it was just a segment on the Matt Townsend Show. And back when we were not even a podcast yet, every 10 episodes or so, we would do a special episode, right? On our 10th episode, we talked about the films of... I think it was Alfred Hitchcock the first time. That's and then right. Steven Spielberg at episode 20. Christopher or Nolan. 30, you know, when we got to Christopher Nolan. And now we're going to take a moment and make another excuse to talk about a film person that we love. Absolutely. And I think the best way to introduce it is for me to just break out into song. That's what everybody wants to hear, right? No impressions. Oh, oh, oh my goodness. Look at this wonderful place. Uh, uh, let's see here. Oh, I guess that impression Here's of Dangerfield de- doesn't work unless you can see me tugging on my collar, eh? Here's the deal, Sparky. If you want to get the girl, you got to be a straight shooter. So We're that was about Robin Williams, Robin Williams doing, doing his doing Jack, Jack, Nich- Jack Nicholson impersonation. <laughs> Maybe I was better there than I was just doing straight Robin Williams. I think we get it that Robin Williams is one of the coolest actors to have come across Hollywood and we've talked about Harrison Ford before we've done directors but this is our chance to talk about one of the funniest guys in Hollywood history absolutely and if I was to pick a favorite Robin Williams performance it would have to be 1992's animated classic Aladdin and I would venture to say that that's probably one of my favorite Disney movies. Definitely better than the movie that came out the next year from Disney, 1993's The Lion King. This movie just spoke a whole lot more to me. Cole, you're shaking your head at me. Because Lion King came out in 94. Well, But that's beside the point. Yeah, that's a digression and, uh, and the an live action, The live action versions, would you also prefer uh, Will, Will Smith's Aladdin to the jungle... Prairie CGI. Let's let's Aladdin, let's be positive on the Lion show King. today, okay, Cole? Right, so, 1992, Robin Williams basically gives a fully improvised performance as the genie in this film that was just such a huge smash at the box office. It was a huge smash in my life because I was all of nine years old when I was introduced to this movie in the movie theaters, and. My dad would take us to the movies quite a lot, and if we had already seen a movie and it was good enough, we would go see it again. And when a movie was really, really good, we would go see it again in the movie theater. So I saw Aladdin three times in the movie theaters. I could probably count on one or two hands how many times I've seen the same movie Three times in a movie theater. Ooh, for me it would be The Force Awakens when okay. Star Wars came back. I saw Jurassic Park three times in the movie theater. Right around the – so that was 1993. And there are only was... two movies that I've seen in the movie theater four times. One being As Good As It Gets, which seems like a strange movie to see four times in the movie theater. And the other one was Mary Poppins Returns. Oh. Yes. But Aladdin, I saw it three times in the movie theater, one of my favorite Disney movies – and it is entirely because of Robin Williams's performance in this film. And I really feel like it, it possibly had an impact on my career choice, not just to be in radio, but to do voiceover work, right? And get, to get paid to do all these different voices. Uh, to be honest, not as well as Robin Williams or as rapid fire as him. But no one is. Yeah, no one can match Robin Williams. So Aladdin from 1992 is definitely my pick for my favorite Robin Williams performance. My favorite Robin Williams movie, right? Yeah, Robin Williams's performance is just so imaginative when he's put on cartoon in Aladdin. Oh, yeah. I, I appreciate his fast-talking, ta- fast just rapid-fire go in Good Morning Vietnam. But my favorite movie that Robin Williams is in is Jumanji from 1995. In the mid-'90s, no one was more watchable than Robin Williams. He was just churning out family movies after family movie and he seemed like he 
he was able to get the same Robin Williams for every single one, whether he's playing Mrs. Doubtfire, whether he's playing you know, this kid that got sucked into a board game and popped out all those years later. What year is it? With his big old beard and having to <laughs> shave for the first time, even though he was like a 12-year-old kid whenever he got sucked into the board game. And then go on this adventure where they have to fight off stampedes and quicksand and giant spiders just to get the game back to its original so he can go back to who he was before. That movie works because it's Robin Williams going on the adventure with us. Oh, yeah. What kid doesn't like this idea of your board game coming to life and sucking you in, right? And for being based on a really short children's book, that movie was very imaginative and very fun. And a lot of that, again, is in due part to... Robin Williams. Yeah. The characters is what we didn't have in the picture book originally because it's a picture book just with an excuse to draw all this jungle stuff that's coming into the real world. Robin Williams brought the character and the caring. I've got to say I would rather watch this movie than play the board game Jumanji, which, of course, with a movie like Jumanji, they're going to come out with a board game. Cole, you, Mickey, and I, our, our previous assistant producer... We all went and played that game uh, at a board game cafe, and it's actually part of an episode that you can go back and listen to on our Screen Cleaning podcast. It's just right there at your fingertips, well over 100 episodes, 125 episodes, as we've established Yeah, you can today. watch 124 other ones by yeah. going to our podcast or Googling Screen Cleaning. Had you played Jumanji the board game before that day? I had a friend who owned it, and I remember as a kid being disappointed, like, well... I didn't get sucked into this game. Not surprisingly, you know, because that sort of thing doesn't really happen. I loved all the rhymes. Like, and they gave us more than what was just in the movie, right? They gave us the ones from the movie that are iconic. You know, like, don't be fooled, it isn't thunder. Staying put would be a blunder. But then we got a couple extra ones, too, just for that game. Yeah, absolutely. Robin Williams in Jumanji. And, uh, man, they had quite big shoes to fill when they were coming out with sequels for that movie. And actually, they did quite an admirable job. Because they were able to go in a different direction, do a video oh, game yeah. thing instead of a board game thing. Don't yep. try to do Robin Williams. Just have The Rock and Kevin Hart be The Rock and Kevin Hart. Yeah. So, Avery, we want to turn to you for a second and just get your opinion of what's your favorite Robin Williams performance. Oh, my favorite Robin Williams performance, my favorite Robin Williams movie is the often maligned hook from 1991. Oh, interesting. Which, okay. you know, directed by Steven Spielberg, and even Spielberg in recent years has come to say explicitly that he is disappointed in this movie. So oh. kind of, yeah, sad. It, it, you either like it or you hate it is my experience, but I love this movie. Um, as we'll talk about later, you know, Robin Williams, he has this capacity for these incredibly humorous comedic roles, but also these kind of sobering serious roles and i think he touches on both in hook as he you know he plays peter pan for those who don't know this kind of happy-go-lucky you know, never never grow old child who has grown old into kind of a soulless corporate corporate cog and uh and and the film follows him as he rediscovers his inner child and his inner joy um with lots of laughs and and kind of and heart and heart touching moments along the way. This feels like such a Robin Williamsy movie because he oh, yeah. has that youthful energy in everything that he does, and so to be able to play literally Peter Pan as a thirty something year old dude, um, that's that was just written for Robin Williams to be able to find his inner child again with the like and get over the inner darkness that Robin Williams did have going on in his life. And even though he's a little more subdued, especially toward the beginning of the film in this movie, Hook, um, you can tell that, okay, nobody wrote that for Robin Williams. That's something that he just improvised or that he came up with on the spot, right? And that's what he does. That's, that's a running theme at. in a lot of his movies. I had a good, I had a good time recently uh, with this film. I hadn't seen it in years, and my family and I, we were just desperate to go see a movie on the big screen. And so we all got piled up in the car and we headed over to our local theater and we shelled out a bunch of money to see a movie that we could have rented from the library for a dollar. But we had a great time watching Hook 
on the big screen after all these years. I don't have a really large movie collection with me because I'm still a young person that's moving around every year or so to a different apartment or a different house or a different basement. But the movies that I carry with me all have an importance. I have a reason why they're on my shelf. And Jumanji and Hook and Aladdin are all on my shelf. Those are the three Robin Williams movies that I have. And they're among just about 50 or so movies total that I carry with me everywhere I go. Well, I will always remember Aladdin. I'm I'm a little disappointed that my kids gravitate more towards the live-action Aladdin than they do the cartoon. They'll learn. They'll get older. They'll grow up. <laughs> my three-year-old listens to that soundtrack at least once every single day. I love that he loves Aladdin in general, though, because it's a great soundtrack and uh, it's just a great story, too. And I'm so excited that we get to talk about Robin Williams in more detail on the show here today. And I'm even more grateful that I got to share with you my favorite Robin Williams performance, of which there are many. And uh, we are so excited to talk more about all those various performances and all those great movies when we return here on Screen Cleaning. I'm your Come on, whisper what it is you want. You ain't never had a friend like me. Yes, sir. We pride ourselves on service. You're the boss, the king, the shah. Say what you wish. It's yours. True dish. About a little more. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the stars and stripes forever. Star Spangled Banner. You can call me Old Glory, but let's just keep it simple. Uh, just call me Flag. <laughs> oh, say, can you see? Okay. Well, you probably don't recognize me. You say, who is that, Evil Knievel? No way. Yeah, you see, you can't recognize me because... I'm in my birthday suit, yes! I'm wearing the original 13 here. Yeah. I remember Miss Betsy sitting there going, Oh, this could be the start of something big. Oh, Tom, don't be a pain. Yes. That's some of Robin Williams' stand-up from early in his career before he became a big movie star. And that's how a lot of comedians get their start before they become the comedians that we know for film. And Robin Williams, you can tell if you watch any of his films that that quick wit and that improvisation and those voices that we heard a little bit of there, that was rooted in just stand-up comedy. And I'm grateful you found that clip because that's one of the few Robin Williams stand-up clips that we can air on the show. And it's genuinely drop-dead funny. So great choice there, Cole. And uh, yeah, so he very quickly shot to stardom and was getting big movie roles right off the bat. I was really surprised at his first movie role, Cole. He played Popeye in the film Popeye, Popeye the Sailor Man. Directed by Robert Altman, of all people, who's known for doing like these serious award-winning films. And I will say, perfectly, I mean, he's perfectly cast in the film. Even more so perfectly cast is Shelley Duvall as Olive Oil, who is just absolutely wonderful in this movie. But uh, this movie is something else. Not necessarily enough like the cartoon that I enjoyed it all that much. But or necessarily in my top 10 Robin yeah, Williams movies. But you have to admit, perfectly cast and Shelley Duvall too. And uh, it's what got him his big start. And, you know, he'd go on to do Mork and Mindy, of course. But from there, he started getting even more comedic roles in these big, huge movies that and I th- we're going to talk about. I think it culminated. And something I want to talk about is how every comedian, once they get a couple under their belt, has that movie that's just made for them, right? Whatever they oh, yeah. do as a comedian, this is your chance to just show off. And the plot doesn't matter. It's just a vehicle for you to be funny and your fans to love you. And Robin Williams got that opportunity. To me, I think his most pure Robin Williams movie is Good Morning Vietnam. Good morning, Vietnam! Absolutely. And giving him that platform to just go crazy with all of his voices and improvisation skills 
And then you also, in that same movie, get to see more subdued Robin Williams, so much so that you're going to get a an Oscar nomination for that movie, right? And some of and just like general political humor, we saw that in his little flag sketch. We we would see it later on when he would do Man of the Year in a later role, where he just gets back to his roots of making jokes about stuff. And that's what all I mean. Good Morning Vietnam is not a really like beautiful film cinematography film because it's just a camera aimed on Robin Williams sitting in front of a microphone doing stand up comedy. Absolutely. But it's so it's so purely Robin Williams. And so I want to take a second and just kind of appreciate other comedians that get a chance to do this. Right. Like that's the most Robin Williams movie. But there's other comedians that get this chance too. I, I watched Good Morning Vietnam and Beverly Hills Cop. In the same week. And that's when I had this realization that comedians get this opportunity because Eddie Murphy just got to be Eddie Murphy in Beverly Hills Cop. That was that was just a movie studio saying Eddie Murphy's a bankable guy. Let's let him do whatever he wants to do and put whatever movie happens to be around it around it. And let's go. And that's what Beverly Hills Cop ended up being. A couple other examples I have. One that Jeff made me watch for the first time is Billy Madison. Which yes. is the most Adam Sandler. What Adam Sandler does as a comedian is he's youthful in an annoying way. And he does his like voices where he's a little kid again. And so this is a whole movie where he has to go through elementary school again. And I like how you said this is like pure Adam Sandler. This is Adam Sandler be- before he became super rich, super, super famous, started having all these famous celebrity friends. And so – you're getting the Adam Sandler where he's trying his hardest and doing what he does best instead of Adam Sandler going on vacation and wanting somebody else to pay for it, right? Grown-ups. <laughs> yes. We grown paid ups. for it. By me going to the theater and seeing grown-ups, I paid for Adam Sandler to go on vacation for yeah. a second time in grown-ups too. A couple other examples, like especially Saturday Night Live alums, will you'll see this. Jim Carrey, in 1994, he comes out with Dumb and Dumber and The Mask and I think Ace Ventura is the one where he's just most Jim Carrey, most Jim Carrey unleashed, where he just that gets to improvise. That is the movie that shot him to stardom, to be sure. But just a little clarification there, Cole, because Jim Carrey actually auditioned for Saturday Night Live, was not selected, but he did do another sketch comedy show called In Living Color. Yes. And he really was prominently displayed on that show. His talents were were. On full display. And yeah, Ace Ventura just really shot him to superstardom. And then in that same year, 1994, or in that 1994 year, he did he did Ace Ventura. He did The Mask. He did Dumb and Dumber. And boy, oh boy, I you'd be hard-pressed to find another comedian or let alone actor that's had that good of a career as Jim Carrey had in 1994. Chevy Chase in National Lampoon's Vacation is the most Chevy Chasey thing. Like when you think of Chevy Chase humor, it's what he's doing in that movie particularly. And then our recent hosts of the Golden Globes, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, had different writing credits to their name. And of course, the Saturday Night Live under their belts. But when they got to do Baby Mama with each other, that's them playing off each other perfectly and doing just their thing. Every, I, I maintain every comedian has their thing and they and the good ones get an opportunity to have a whole movie where they do it. Robin Williams, one of the best examples with Good Morning Vietnam. Oh, yeah. And really quick, while we're on the subject of Baby Mama, I really like that movie. So does my wife. And it features a great performance from Steve Martin, who is another stand-up comedian where here's this movie that is it gives him an opportunity to put his talents on display. I think Three Amigos is my Steve Martin. Oh, I would but think. But I wasn't sure. I would I, think I The Jerk. Ooh, I would think The Jerk go, because like movies like Much Dumb better. and Dumber, which seems ridiculous to say this, but Dumb and Dumber and The Jerk are so dumb that they're smart. Does that make sense? Like, Meh. it takes a very smart person to come up with jokes and comedy that is that funny. And so, yeah, I, I, I love that all of these comedians have this vehicle for them to do what they do really best. Jack Black, School of Rock. That is the perfect example of yes. just giving somebody what they love to do most and just letting them go loose with it or like just go crazy, you know? And so Robin Williams, although he was live action in Good Morning Vietnam, I love him when he's animated. And slightly before Aladdin came out, 
Fern Gully came out and it was kind of the <laughs> testing ground. It was Robin Williams doing a bunch of Robin Williams voices and, and having that excitement in an animated format that we got to see even before we got to see what Aladdin would be yeah. because the Aladdin animators, like the story behind how Aladdin came out and how they animated the genie was just watching Robin Williams do his stuff. And then they would draw around him to bring it to life, to bring it to the big screen. Yeah. You mentioned your most Robin Williams role uh, from uh, good morning, Vietnam. The one that I go to is another movie that my wife and I just really love is uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. And one of the reasons I love it is because he does a lot of impersonations, especially in the montage where he's trying to find his Mrs. Doubtfire look with his brother who uh, is, has works as somebody in the makeup industry, right? Um, however, there's that also that scene at the beginning of the film where he's a voice actor. And me as a voice actor, you know I'm just going to love that because – yeah, of course, Robin Williams is going to work as a voice actor. It's a perfect fit for him, right? But then he also gets to play, you know, the more serious, heartfelt uh, part of that character when he's trying to save his kids. And, you know, I'm I'm lucky to say that I'm not somebody that has ever been divorced, but you can really imagine what that experience might be like from this movie. You know, just feel like you're being torn apart because— you know, some of the people that you love most are being torn away from you. And what wouldn't you do to try to save your family, right? And so you really feel for him in this movie. But then also, it's just a genuinely funny, funny movie and a, an opportunity for him to just go crazy. Mrs. Doubtfire came out in 1993. We've mentioned Hook and Aladdin. Man, great year. And Aladdin? No, Aladdin was 92. Aladdin was 92. Wow. Holy cow. But his whole 90s run oh, is yeah. what I want to kind of focus on. Uh, did you guys get a chance to see toys this week? Uh, I I, I had, didn't even get to play with some toys this week, Cole. Also directed by Barry Levinson, the guy that he was with for Good Morning Vietnam. And Man of the Year, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I started Toys. I got about 20 minutes in. That's about how much I watched of Toys, yeah. Cole. Yeah, Robin Williams' 90s was interesting because... He's always really watchable, you know, even in things like Patch Adams or Flubber or like not as good movies per se. Robin Williams RV. is still there. <laughs> that I mean, that's late, late age Robin Williams doing comedy, RV and old dogs. That's a whole different branch of Robin Williams comedy. But even when he was in the height of his powers, even when it was the 90s and he could draw everyone in and have his rubber personality contrast with the flubber that he invented that's it, it was still a good robin williams performance even if the movie wasn't great and you know getting outside of his movies too anytime robin williams shows up at an award ceremony at some big event or even at a talk show you better believe i mean i defy you cole to find somebody that's going to be a more entertaining guest host presenter than robin williams because I don't know how he does it. You just – I don't know what he does to prep. I can't imagine what his little ritual is in the green room before he goes out and does his thing. Maybe he just sits there all calm and collected. But then when you get him out in front of an audience, in front of a camera, he's making up stuff on the spot that you didn't even think was possible for a human brain to conjure up, right? And uh, just off the walls, bonkers. And the great thing about his performance is it doesn't all have to be gold because it's so rapid fire that, you know, your brain isn't even having time to keep up with all of the jokes that he's throwing. You'll down remember that, the ones that you catch oh, and yeah. think, oh, yeah, that was funny and realize, oh, like 20 percent of it was funny. But it's the shotgun approach. You just oh, yeah. fire a ton at the wall and whatever hits hits. And Robin Williams is great at that. And most of that humor is just coming from. Oh, my gosh. How is this guy doing this and doing it so well with complete confidence and no care in the world? You you get the impression that he would be OK doing this for himself and would be just as pleased. Right. Yeah. And uh, man, look, there's nobody that equals the comedic chops of Robin Williams, even a Jim Carrey 
who is very good at improvising and doing all sorts of different impressions. And you can tell there are these movies that are Jim Carrey vehicles. I don't even think Jim Carrey is on the level of Robin Williams. I think Robin Williams is one of a kind. He was on a planet of his own, and uh, we're all so grateful for it, right? And we're all, I think, the better as a result of seeing Robin Williams' movies and just being able to be recipients of that wonderful gift that he was blessed with. So you mentioned Mrs. Doubtfire, his occupation, the character that he plays as a voiceover actor. And Robin Williams has a history in animation. I mentioned Fern Gully and Aladdin. He would later be in Happy Feet and Happy Feet 2 and also Robots. Animation really brings out what is some of the best of Robin Williams. And unfortunately, for as awesome as Robin Williams is in those roles, it's taken a, a weird turn for the animation industry as a whole. Because Robin Williams is all of a sudden amazing, and he's a box office draw because he's a name and he's a face that people recognize amongst all these uh, voiceover actors that are just voiceover actors, right? They're in a bunch of Disney movies, but we don't know what they look like. They're they're good at their jobs, whatever, but they're not (laughs) box office draws. And so after Robin Williams takes over and brings his comedy into animation, we see this trend going and one that we very much see today, that it's movie stars that they stick in a booth and make do voiceover so that they can put that long list of stars in the credits and say, come see our movie at the cost of some really talented voiceover professionals. Yeah, and it is, in a way, it's it's really sad because you think of the old Disney movies, for instance, and you think of, you know, The Jungle Book and Robin Hood, where you're realizing, wait a minute, why do those voices sound so familiar? Oh, yeah, it's because they're using the same actors for all these movies. They just go back to the people that they know they can count on. They know are talented. They know uh, what they're doing, right? And so, yeah, it is We it is a bit of an end of an era, right? And that started occurring, as you said, maybe even as early back in the 90s. But one another movie that comes to mind that did that is Shrek. Now, granted, everybody in that movie deserved to be in that movie. John Lithgow, Eddie Murphy, Mike Myers. Yes, of course they can pull that off, right? Because they are amazing actors in general. So I I will say, I kind of feel like I have a love-hate relationship with that aspect of animated movies because I do genuinely believe in order to be a good voice actor, you need to be a good actor. Yes. Unfortunately, in a lot of these movies, like you said, they're more focused on the name and less focused on the acting aspect. So maybe you get somebody that's, uh, you know, a musician or you get somebody that is even lower on the totem pole as far as their acting ability is concerned. And you get like a sports star, you know, a big athlete to be in a movie. So I'm I'm okay with getting big names in these animated movies as long as they can actually act. Um, but I do really miss the days where they just use the same stock actors for the movies. And it's weird to think about because, like, I'm glad we got Robin Williams. He put yeah. forward maybe the greatest animated voiceover role of all time. But the fallout of that, because something's successful, the industry and the business of Hollywood always tries to capture that lightning in a bottle one more time. And they can't. Like, it was Robin Williams that made that great, not the fact that he was an actor before he did that. How would you have loved to have been a fly on that wall or even uh, the voice director or even one of the oh, animators I would love to in be the voice room. director because that's take home a paycheck for just Robin Williams being oh, Robin yeah. Williams. That's that's the easiest check you could possibly get. Yeah. I, coach the other guys, but Robin Williams' voice actor in that role? Go now, ahead and just do what you do. Let me give you a little bit of background in the voiceover industry. Not that I got paid nearly or I've ever been paid anything near what Robin Williams got paid for Aladdin. However... The way it works is you lay down the voices first so that then the animators can then go to work and animate around the performances, right? However, Robin Williams' performance in Aladdin is just a completely different thing of of itself because what we got there is, you know, you do have a script, you do have a script well, and the actors everyone go in, else does you the actors go in and they voice that and then the animators go to work based on those performances 
But this is something totally different altogether because they had a script, I'm sure. But how much of what Robin Williams performed in that movie was actually scripted, right? So not only do you have maybe some script people that are coming in and making changes based on his changes to the script, but then you've got the animators trying to animate around his performances and getting, you know, having to animate all of these celebrities that he's just cranking out left and right. One of the great apocryphal stories about how he was cast in Aladdin is that the animators just drew a mock-up of the genie doing some Robin Williams stand-up that they just pulled off. I guess they didn't pull it off the internet in 1991, but they <laughs> they found footage of Robin Williams doing stand-up and they animated the genie doing that and doing the different voices and they presented it to the, the up-and-ups at Disney and said, we want this guy to be the genie. And it worked out. Absolutely. You know, you mentioned his voiceover performances, and you you left out one that turned up in a more dramatic performance in a more dramatic movie, which is AI, artificial intelligence. And we can't talk about Robin Williams without mentioning some of his more dramatic turns and a very interesting theme that tends to turn up when Robin Williams gets a little more serious. And so when we return here on Screen Cleaning... We're going to talk about the dramatic side of Robin Williams and how, for the most part, that was just as good as his comedic side. That's up next here on Screen Cleaning. You stay out of this. Time for Jafar cheer. Give me a B, give me a B, give me a B, 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 give me a B, 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 B. What's that spell? Push him back, push him back. Jafar, Jafar, push him back, push him back. Jafar. Look at this incredible performer, Hal, still staying in there with the snake. What do you think, Bill? I think the man will stick him. I think he ain't got a good chance, but he's really going to hang in there and basically try and stick the snake, but the snake ain't got big scale. Whatever you said, I'm 100% with you. Nonviolence, Hal. Turn the other cheek. Matter of fact, turn both cheeks and run! Robin Williams in Goodwill Hunting. Ask you about love. That would quote me sonnet. You've never looked at a woman who'd been totally vulnerable. Known someone that could level you with her eyes. Feeling like God put an angel on earth just for you. Robin Williams at the Oscars, about to accept for his victory in Best Supporting Actor for Goodwill Hunting. Yes. And, you know, when we talk about serious Robin Williams, because we've already talked about comedic Robin Williams, now it's time to get over to serious beard-wearing Robin Williams. Let's get serious on the show. Everyone grow out your beards Yes, in honor of Robin Williams. I think of two movies, and they're probably two of my other favorite Robin Williams performances and movies, the first one being uh, Dead Poet Society, for which he was nominated for Best Actor, and this film— Goodwill Hunting, for which he was nominated and which he ultimately won uh, Best Supporting Actor. And these are really just two of his best dramatic movies. And this is the one that he finally won the Oscar for, right? He'd been nominated. This was his fourth time. He'd been nominated for Dead Poet Society, Good Morning Vietnam, and for The Fisher King. And finally found his award thanks in part due to... Ben Affleck and Matt Damon and their wonderful script. They would also go on to take home an Oscar that evening. Yeah, so Robin Williams being in that movie is awesome because that was the first time that I saw Robin Williams because I grew up throughout the 90s just watching fun Robin Williams and I didn't come across Goodwill Hunting until much later just personally, right? It was at the end of the 90s actually coming out. But then just personally, I didn't know Robin Williams had this different side because sure I'd watched Dead Poets Society, but I've documented well on this program before. I do not like the Dead Poets Society particularly. It's it's that prissy New England schoolboy era that I just do not connect with. Right? Cole like it's... would have been one of those students with his head down as all the other students around him were standing up on their desks saying, oh, captain, my captain, and taking My head stand. would have been down because I'm like third party embarrassed for them. Like, why are you making this weird big deal about this thing that doesn't matter? Like, yeah, Robin oh, Williams is a cool Cole. teacher, but like, what are we doing here? Cole, 
All right. You need to go watch uh, The Grinch Who Stole Christmas or How the Grinch Stole Christmas. How the Grinch needs to grow three sizes. Robin Williams and the Dead Poet Society. All right, fine. Um, Robin Williams, serious Robin Williams, though, was like a whole different world to me. And he's got a lot of these serious movies that I didn't realize were there. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. I mentioned the fact that he wears a beard in this movie. We're going to mention some other serious uh, Robin Williams performances in which he has a beard. And the reason we're making note of that is because another funny comedian, Frank Caliendo, who is very good at impersonations. And in fact, he does a whole routine where he does The Wizard of Oz in like four minutes as Robin Williams doing all the parts. <laughs> and it's pretty darn funny. And he, one of the things that he mentions, not necessarily in that routine, but in another time when he's doing Robin Williams, is that uh, Robin Williams, when he wants to be serious, he'll grow out a beard, right? And so as we talk about some of these movies, we'll, we'll discuss beard or no beard. And, and uh, did that help the performance, maybe? Exactly. But Good Will Hunting, obviously an amazing performance in an award-winning film. This is, man, this is just a solid movie and probably one of my favorite movies of the last, when did this movie come out? Last 25 years or so? Yes. Yeah. It's in that window. Yeah. It's just a, it's such a good movie on so many levels because of Robin Williams, because of Matt Damon and Ben Affleck and their performances and their script. Minnie Driver is fantastic in this film. And uh, yeah, just a solid performance by a very bearded Robin Williams. And he's able to be heartfelt, but also bring some Robin Williams humor without going over the top. He's able to tap in because he's a very just naturally funny person when he does his impressions or when he goes over the top. But you can see that he's always funny when he's able to just tell a serious story about his wife farting <laughs> and be able to connect with a kid in a serious way, in a serious movie but still make you laugh and give you that moment of levity when you're getting down about... I mean, he plays a psychologist. We're diving into the mind of two people, and he's able to help us connect in that way. And absolutely. And we mentioned this a little bit when we were talking about some of his more comedic turns, but even in those films, you get a, you catch a glimpse of serious Robin Williams, and he can just play both sides of that coin so very well. And, uh, you know... At first, you might be a little nervous if you're if you're only used to funny Robin Williams. Switching over to one of his dramas might make you a little uh, nervous. But he's always intriguing, always entertaining. And another movie where he's bearded is another film that was nominated for some Oscars uh, is called Awakenings, directed by Penny Marshall, who is known for comedy, right? Laverne and Shirley. And uh, he plays this doctor at this hospital where uh, that takes care of catatonic patients, okay? And there's this new medicine, this new drug that's coming out that they're, they're trying to figure out the correct dosage, and uh, they're administering it to these catatonic patients. One of them is Robert De Niro, who was nominated for an Oscar for this film, and bearded Robin Williams... Uh, brings in this very subdued, serious performance in this very serious, heartbreaking film about uh, this doctor and his patient. And you can just see how he's fighting to try to find the right dosage, to try to find the right medication that's going to help Robert De Niro and all these other patients get a new lease on life. And it's a very touching, as I said, sad, heartbreaking film, but really great performances uh, and, of course, also from Robin Williams. He also plays a doctor. He plays a pediatrician in What Dreams May Come, which, mm-hmm. oh, by the way, I think has one of the greatest movie titles of all time because it's a play on Shakespeare. It's from the To Be or Not To Be soliloquy. And, oh, and by the way, Robin Williams was in the Kenneth Branagh Hamlet, too. Uh, but then when he was in What Dreams May Come, when we have shuffled off this mortal coil, he played a pediatrician that passes away and leaves his wife behind. Uh, His wife follows him into the unknown, uh, commits suicide herself, and then he has to journey through the afterlife to find her, to be connected with her one more time so that true love can win the day. And he gets help from his 
children that preceded him in death along the way through a couple of surprise moments where we realize that they were helping him all along. And he gets to reconcile with moments throughout his life with his children, with his wife, all in a very unique take, a a dreamlike, to be obvious about the titles, take on the afterlife. Yeah. Another film, the the fourth movie that he was nominated for an Academy Award, is is kind of a comedy, but it's also a drama. It's a comma drama, maybe, but it's it's also a fantasy. I think dramedy is the way they there you go. order those things, not comma drama. <laughs> and it's also you can you can have it both ways, Cole. It's also a bearded Robin Williams performance, and it's the Fisher King. And uh, yeah, he was nominated for best actor for this movie. That movie is about, and I actually have never seen it. It's a Terry Gilliam movie. Cole's not a huge fan of Terry Gilliam movies in general. I've seen one Terry Gilliam movie, and I didn't like it. So and I just haven't given gone up. back. Okay, so there's this uh, there's this radio DJ who makes a terrible mistake on the air, and uh, he finds redemption in helping this deranged homeless man. And I'll I'll let you guess which one is the deranged homeless man out of Jeff Bridges. Or Robin Williams. Robin Williams. Yes. And that's the performance for which he was nominated for an Oscar. I bring it up just to to point out the fact that we haven't seen it, but it's got an interesting premise, and it was also an Academy Award-winning performance. And he also happened to have a beard in that performance. There we go. In the year 2002, Robin Williams had two weirdly similar movies where we saw the dark side of this tortured man where he got to play a sociopathic loner in Insomnia and he also got to play a sociopathic loner in One Hour Photo. Yeah, and I've not seen One Hour Photo, but I have seen Insomnia. And you wouldn't guess that, you know, he was stretching by being in this movie. To be fair to Robin Williams, uh, you know, He's done so many dramatic roles at this point in his career. But what he hasn't really done is he hasn't really been the bad guy, right? And this is kind of, speaking of what dreams may come, I'm sure it was a dream to come for Robin Williams to play a villain because that's secretly every actor's fantasy, right? Is that they will get to be the villain and go against type. And he's certainly going against type here in this movie of a... a, killer who is trying to get away with what he did, obviously, and the cop who is trying to bring him to justice while also strangely trying to help him because of a mistake that he made that Robin Williams' character actually witnessed. So they're both kind of in hot water trying to help each other out, but also Robin Williams trying not to get caught and Al Pacino trying to catch him. It's a very intriguing movie in a very interesting uh, and a very interesting premise set in a place where this time of year in Alaska, at this part of Alaska, the sun doesn't really go down. And so you have this character played by Al Pacino who is struggling with some of the choices that he's made. And so it's causing him to lose sleep in general and then add that on top of the fact that the sun's not going in down. And so he's really having a hard time uh, falling asleep. What a great movie. And I know Avery has seen One Hour Photo. We've talked about One Hour Photo a little bit on a previous episode. But why why is it is it normal seeing Robin Williams in this movie does he see at home in the skin of this crazy person uh you know, it's certainly jarring at first you're like wait is this you know he's he's not he's not going manic he's not going on these long comedic monologues he's just he's a very like playing this very quiet and subdued role so at first it's very jarring but he plays it off so well it's um like you said he's playing against type and it doesn't, you know, Robin Williams at first, if you're not familiar, he doesn't always seem like he'd be, you're like, oh, there's, there's no way this guy has one shtick and that's it. But, I mean, he does it. And he's he, really, really good at that. He's, he's good at it, to be fair. But but when he goes against type, it it pays off really well. Once you're past that initial reaction, you're like, man, this is Robin Williams. I love him. Great actor. I was born in the 90s and there are two actors that I think shaped my 90s. When I think of movies in the 90s, what what they what what was on the screen for me one is robin williams and all of his comedies and the other is will smith and will smith has been pretty adamant in his career to not 
play that villain, to not, you know, betray his fans. He's one kind of guy, and he's the hero in everything that he is. Sometimes he's a tortured hero, sometimes he's a jerk hero, but he always ends up at the end of his movie being the hero, the good guy that you can root for coming around. Even in Suicide Squad, right? Right. He's, they're bad guys. It's what they do. But, like, Will Smith is maybe the most sympathetic of them because he's doing it out of love and out of family. You know, those are things that are important to him. And Robin Williams in the 90s was that family guy too. You know, you think of Mrs. Doubtfire and trying to get with his kids or just the crazy fun of Fern Gully and Aladdin and when he's animated. But he took a turn later in his career where he did dive deeper into his acting chops and we got an amazing career out of it. I'm so glad that we were able to see this man that is obviously the best at what he does when he's doing his comedy and his impressions. But he's got that deeper, darker side that, that unfortunately ended up probably taking him away from us too early. Mm. Um, and, and that's something that tortured actors and performers and artists sometimes end up falling prey to. And, and it's sad to, to see that happen. Absolutely. And another dramatic performance that he had was in a film called Lee Daniels, The Butler. Ooh, can we talk about the three times that Robin Williams has played the president of the United States? Yes. Man of the Year, where he's basically John Stewart or Stephen Colbert, and he doesn't get to Inauguration Day. Because of a glitch. He's the president-elect for a month or two before he eventually admits that there was a glitch in the voting system and he shouldn't have actually been voted to be the president. He plays Franklin Delano Roosevelt. This seems like a movie people need to revisit (laughs) these days because of— Election fraud? Yeah. No. (laughs) I mean, the other—so Man of the Year is— a movie that folks should watch nowadays because they'll be surprised at how much of Robin Williams' improv comedy is just the Facebook memes that we see old yeah. people sharing. Yeah. Like his jokes about the government in general are all just the same stuff that we've been seeing for the past 10 years. Y'all got those things from Robin Williams in Man of the Year. Or maybe he stole them from somewhere earlier. Anyway, so he plays Franklin Delano Roosevelt in Lee Daniels' The Butler. And then he also plays the bust of... Teddy Roosevelt in the third Night at the Museum movie, and he plays the full version of Teddy Roosevelt in the other two. Oh, so I guess I haven't seen that last movie because I don't remember him as a bust. I just remember him as a wax figure coming to life. Yep. Oh, in the in the third one, it's just like the head, and he's he's. I think there's like because, multiple because they go to the Teddy they go to London, they it's, go to the Smithsonian. The, oh, or so, is that the second one? No, that's the third one. Yeah, the second one they go. Yeah, the third one they oh. go. In the second one, they do go to the Smithsonian, Smithsonian I mean the London oh, yeah. Museum All in right. the third one. So okay. it's not the wax model. It's the bust. But anyway. there's a Teddy Roosevelt in all the different museums. And Night at the Museum is where Teddy Roosevelt gets to come to life along with everyone else. And we get to see uh, Robin Williams playing the president. We've talked about some really prominent Robin Williams performances and movies that he's been in. But uh, how about we talk about a movie that you might not be as familiar with? In fact, it's the focus of our panning for good here today. There's good in them dire hills. <laughs> in a role for which Robin Williams would not bear his actual name, and in fact, for which I don't believe he was paid anything to appear in this movie. Um, it's it's certainly one of his more memorable performances for me because I grew up watching the film The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. And Baron Munchausen is this character that you can never really tell how reliable his stories are. So I, I work on The Appleseed. I'm the producer for The Appleseed, and so I love storytelling in general. But this idea of a storyteller who's not, Maybe all there or at least maybe not all totally reliable. I'm intrigued right off the bat. And this movie is full of rich visuals and performances and story plots and devices. One of those characters is Robin Williams, who is the king of the moon. And uh, he has such a good time chewing up the scenery And you can tell that he's improvising so much of what he's saying. And it just so happens that he happened to be friends with Terry Gilliam, the director of this film. And Cole, I really think you're missing out by not having seen this movie. 
because it is just a bonkers performance in a bonkers movie that is really quite charming. The soundtrack is great, and the character that Robin Williams plays, or the actor that gets the credit for this role, is Ray D. Tutto. I'm not sure why he didn't put his actual name in there. There may also have been known some, as Robin Williams. There may have been some uh, politics in there. But uh, boy, oh boy, is it a fun performance in a great movie. I want to talk about Robin Williams' family man for my portion of Panning for Good by sharing something that I love so the much. The first time I saw that's you, video games. I knew we'd be linked forever. For you, I traveled to the four corners of the world. I faced adversity. I became a hero. Dad. I saved your kingdom. Dad. Yes, Zelda? Are you mixing me up with the princess again? Hard to say. You're both pretty magical. <laughs> That's a commercial that that Nintendo put out whenever Ocarina of Time came to the 3DS, where Robin Williams, who named his daughter Zelda after the Princess Zelda from oh, the Legend of Zelda video game series, he uh, he does the voice over there. He did, takes us through the journey and talking about how meaningful link was to him uh and his daughter makes an appearance too all right zelda williams avery we understand that you've got a little something special that's perfect for this panning for good segment as well yeah this is something special that i just learned about robin williams um so most people probably don't know this but he was close friends with the actor christopher reeve i had no idea who is best known you know as superman i think and then superman 2 right he played the original superman back in the 70s and 80s um they were close friends they and they became close friends when they both studied at Juilliard in the 70s oh, they were classmates yeah in many classes so they were close friends throughout their whole well throughout their whole lives and after as we know Christopher Reeve he was tragically um became paralyzed in the 90s after a horse riding accident um Robin Williams he you know he stayed very close to Christopher Reeve even helping him pay many of his medical bills and supporting Christopher Reeve's family after his accident, and they, they remained close friends until Christopher Reeves' death in 2004. That's awesome. Which, that's, that's incredible. That's an incredible, that's, just, that's an awesome story. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, humanitarian, family man, and all-out funny and seriously funny guy, we'll just say. There you go. Robin Williams, we're so grateful we had the opportunity to talk about him on the program today. What a rich career. Unfortunately, we lost him too soon and uh, yes, we are nonetheless happy that we were able to highlight his career on screen cleaning here today. If you heard the title of a Robin Williams movie that you haven't seen before that you think you ought to check out, uh, go and check it out. We've talked a lot. We've talked about a lot of good ones here on the show today. And now it's kind of wet my appetite as well to go out, go and uh, check out some of these films with which I'm not familiar, Cole. Baron Munchausen being one that I have now yes. on my list. Yes. That's going to do it for this episode of Screen Cleaning. We'll be back next week uh, to shine a spotlight on all that is good and entertainment here on Screen Cleaning. I'm Jeff Simpson. And I'm Cole Wissinger. And we'll see you then. 